Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, D.O., and my Emmy Award-winning producer is not here today, and he is not here with us because we found someone more entertaining. You know her from NBC's Titan Games. You have seen her on All Elite Wrestling on TNT. You may have originally been introduced to her through WWE. We have the one, the only, Dasha Gonzalez with us today. How's it going? It's going fantastic, Dasha. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, spend with us today on the Loan Officer Podcast. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're a local girl, right? Oh, absolutely. Born and raised in Central Florida. UCF Knight? That's right. Go Knights. Go Knights. Charge on. Um, UCF Knights, dear to my heart. And you happen to be in town today because I'm assuming you guys are taking a hiatus from wrestling or are you shooting later next week? It's a day off today it's a day for me. Off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you, so have to, nice. do you have to head out anytime soon to do a uh, um, a shoot? What Are they called shoots? What are they called? Like when, uh, when do you, you're filming? Filming? Filming, yeah. Filming. Are they live? No, we're not live. We are live okay. every other week. You know, COVID's going on right now. So we get tested. We shoot out of Jacksonville Daily's place. And it's uh, quite a spectacle. Awesome. Um, people are probably wondering right now, like, well, why is Dasha, who is a professional athlete, um, on the Loan Officer podcast? And I want to make it perfectly clear, like, yes, she is a professional athlete. She is a, a sports entertainment performer. But she's also a sister. She's also an aunt. She's also a wife. She is a business owner, a boss lady. And this show is literally... Everything we should have learned in high school but didn't. And by that, what we're meaning is there's certain conversations that we feel like should be had openly and honestly throughout our lives, whether it's starting off early in childhood, whether it's in adulthood, early adulthood, I'm thinking like 18 to 22, or even when we're in our 20s into our 30s that we just don't have for whatever reason and they're valuable lessons. And I'm sure as we get to know each other on today's show, you're going to be able to speak pretty intimately about drive and pretty intimately about overcoming obstacles. Can you think of just right now, I can think of like five, but <laughs> what are some obstacles that you've had to overcome in your professional life just recently? How'd you overcome them? And what is it that motivates you? Ooh, I'd have to say the first one that comes to my mind is getting fired. You've been fired. I have been fired. Who fired you? Holy cow. Vince McMahon fired me. Oh, so I was going to I was going to say uh who fired you? Let's go kick his ass, but no. No, no, no. No. No, 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 we're not kick no. no, when I had gotten let go from WWE professionally, that was probably the biggest blow to the gut. You know, I felt um like I wasn't worth anything. I felt like everything I did wasn't good enough. I you know, I got down on myself and it it wasn't I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't steal or lie or any, I didn't get let go for that reason. Um, it was just kind of one of those, I thought I was at an all time high. I was working for a company that I had aspired to work for for a long time. I, I, I pretty much entered at the biggest company in sports entertainment and then I just got let go. And I felt like the biggest failure on the face of the planet, but I didn't allow that to stop me. And and I just reset, refocused. I reignited the drive inside of me and I kept pushing forward. And Yeah, that is a massive obstacle to <laughs> overcome because today you find yourself 
back in sports entertainment. You just came off of one of the hottest reality TV shows that was produced and hosted by our future president, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> future. Future You're president. It out there for him? Oh, I would totally vote for <laughs> The Rock with like Tulsi as his VP. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. That would be like the perfect ticket. Like, you know, it's after we get through this current 2020 election, maybe the 2024 election cycle. But you went on that TV show, dominated, you did really well. Thank you. Thank you. I tried my best. Yes. Um, out of curiosity, how did you land that gig? Was it a pure audition? Did your agent help you find it? I wish to say I had an agent. I don't have an agent. You don't have an agent? I don't. Isn't that wild? Yes. <laughs> Why is that? Do you uh, not need one? I mean, you are your agent then. It, pretty much. So you are a boss lady. I, I like try you, to say that yeah, I am. Yeah, you are a boss lady. You run your own business. Your business just happens to be your persona. It happens to be your likeness. Yep. I, I've kind of been one of those people all my life. Um, I don't know if it's the Aries in me. I'm a go-getter. I like to set goals, accomplish those goals. And I was, I honestly had just heard that Dwayne Johnson had posted on his Instagram, um, kind of like a call to action, that they were looking for titans, for people that excel in not only just physical fitness, in their personal life. And when I was just listening to all of the different characteristics that he was saying a titan was, I was like, check, check, check. I'm going to try this. So and literally, you're on IG. You're yep. just thumbing through IG, IG. Yep. and and click on his video, listen to it. And then I just went to the NBC Titan Games casting website, filled out all the questions that they had, posted the pictures and videos that they wanted. And I just left it there in cyberspace and waited to see if I would get contacted. And then I received a phone call inviting me to their combine, which was like their tryout. And it was a very rigorous, kind of like an NFL combine okay. where they test agility, strength. Uh, they pretty much test flexibility, all of the different aspects of fitness. And that the rest is history, pretty much. Was that here in Orlando? Or did you fly out to California for it? I flew out to California for okay. it. Okay. And was that before you had solidified your gig with AEW? It was kind of like in the midst of it. Okay. Because I had auditioned or I had applied during season one of Titan Games. And I was still working for WWE at the time. And then I ended up having a scheduling conflict and I couldn't do it. So I was like, man, that stinks. And then I had ruptured my Achilles tendon. And Oh, that sounds like another <laughs> obstacle to be overcome. <laughs> yes, another one. And then I had gotten let go by WWE. And I was like just holding on like, oh, I wonder if season two, if they, if they get picked up for season two, hadn't heard anything then as soon as I found out there was a season two resubmitted that application crossed my fingers and hoped that maybe they would be interested got to go to the combine and that's and the rest that is happened. history yep that's then it. the rest is history so WWE they come to you and they're like hey Dasha it's not you it's us we're going a different direction was that essentially what the what the conversation was like or just hey we tried it it's not really the direction we're going and um, we're gonna try something different pretty much yeah they I just got like a, a minute phone conversation that was like hey we're letting you go yeah. and that, I mean their decision was already made so that was that yeah I would guess that's that industry like I, I watched some some documentaries on like the NFL and right now hard knocks comes on HBO good and show. a great show right so good and and you watch the cuts and especially this season because of covid the cuts are, are coming much quicker mm -hmm. and yeah it's pretty much it is what it is hey thank you we appreciate everything you've done but currently you don't fit where we're going 
Yeah, it was it was devastating for me, and it wasn't even face to face. That was the hardest part because I was like, man, if they're gonna let me go, I want my boss, who has been my boss for the last five years, to look me straight in the face and say we're letting you go. But it was just a phone call. Yeah, because you were um, in front of the camera on a microphone for most of your career in WWE. Yes. Did you ever get a chance to actually wrestle in the ring, or did injuries prevent that from happening? I actually started in NXT as a wrestler. Okay. And I was initially signed as a wrestler. And then I had a knee injury that happened. Wait a minute. Another another (laughs) obstacle to overcome. Okay. A little reoccurring theme here. Yeah. Okay. Because... Um, looking at you right now, you're you're still in the industry. Mm-hmm. You're you're still getting paid, um, and you've been told no once, and you've been injured twice. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep, just yep. just for anyone at home who's keeping score, I want you to follow along because Dasha's story is one that we're all going to be able to draw inspiration from, whether we're 72 trying to get to 102 or whether we're 12 looking up to Dasha as, wow, I too can be like her. Okay, so um, started off in the ring, then you got injured. Yep. Okay. And so I figured, well, what can I, how can I be useful and serve a purpose in this company while I'm injured, while I'm rehabbing and getting back to being back in ring shape. And I was given the opportunity to learn how to host and announce, ring announce. And so I was like, perfect, this is great. I mean, with my background in pageantry, that's how I funded my undergraduate education. Oh, wait a minute. Up, up, stop, tie down, take away. (laughs) You funded your undergraduate education when you went to UCF. And you did so because of... Scholarships and pageants. Okay. I want to come back to that. Perfect. Okay, but keep going. So I was like, okay, perfect. How can I continue to show them my value? Let's put on another hat. Let's show them I can wrestle, but then I could still speak and do ring announcing for them. So it got to a point where they were like, well, you're a really good ring announcer. We'd like to have you do backstage interviewing as well. And I was like, perfect, no problem, as long as I can still train in the ring, because that was my ultimate goal, was to be a wrestler. And just one thing came after the next, and then it got to a point where I had kept rising doing ring announcing, backstage interviewing, and hosting, that they're like, well, we need you to make a decision. We, You're more valuable to us right now on the ring announcing, announcing side of it. And I was like, okay, well, me being the businesswoman that I am, I figured, well, this is longevity. This is, you know, creating stock within the yeah. company. Less injuries. Yes, less yes. injuries. But, I mean, I'm an athlete, so I'm always going to keep competing and probably breaking yeah. stuff. <laughs> and, um, and... I mean, I love competition. Like, I feed off of it. So I figured, okay, fine. I will do that. And then I'll compete in fitness competitions to help, you know, get the whole other competitive side out of me. Scratch that itch a little bit. Yes, yes. Scratch the itch a lot of it. Yes. (laughs) And um, I just made that decision to switch. And I started off with NXT, ring announcing for NXT. Then I was given the opportunity to move to SmackDown and then to Raw, which was the flagship show at the time. Awesome. And today you find yourself at American Elite Wrestling. No, All Elite. Elite. (laughs) Where am I going with American? All Elite Wrestling. um, Wednesday nights on TNT. Yep. And you are sharing with me off camera that you were just back in the ring. Yes. So you made it back in the ring. I did. High five. Thank you. 
Air Five. Air Five. <laughs> the best part about working for AEW is that I've gotten to wear five different hats within the company. Um, I actually started as the timekeeper. I went to their first two pay-per-views prior to them being, because the company has only been around for a year, but not even a year on TV quite just yet. Okay. And so when I didn't have a job, and I went with one of my really good friends, Billy Gunn, who was... Badass Billy uh, yes, Gunn. Um, yes. Craziest story, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, so I'm good. flying back from New York City last April, right around your birthday, because my wife and you and you had to have a similar birthday. So we were celebrating a milestone birthday for her, and uh, we're on the flight back. So last year, WWE had WrestleMania in New York City, mm-hmm. and WrestleMania is typically in April. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting next to this guy, and I'm a fairly larger person. I'm 6'2", about 200 pounds. And back then I was probably like 240 because I go through phases like, do I want to be a triathlete or do I want to be a power lifter? And it's like this, um, you know, almost like a, 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 a dueling banjo of like, you know, w- which uh, persona do I want to play? Well, um, so then I was more the, the heavier one, you know, one that doesn't get up and run in the morning. But I look over and there's this monstrous man next to me. And I grew up watching wrestling. So I should know, but you know, when people are in their street clothes and they're not on camera, it's, it's a little bit different. And for the life of me, for two and a half hours, this giant man sitting next to me, I'm thinking, I know him, I know him. Gosh, he's flying to Orlando. Which wrestlers live in, in Orlando? Like, okay, all of them. Um, not all of them, but yeah. a lot. A lot live between Orlando and Tampa. It was Billy Gunn. Which, fun so. fact about him, is he's actually an Orlando native. He is from Central Florida. Like, he was a cowboy, went to school here, high school. Like, cowboy, like he went like to Osceola? Le- like, a legitimate cowboy, like, went to college for, like, rodeo and stuff. I did not know it's that. pretty incredible. Yeah. And he's a little cranky on planes, so I hope he wasn't mean to you. No, he, um, I think we're, he we're, was. We're working on him, you know, smiling more. Yeah, oh, are you? <laughs> no, no, he, he was super nice. Yeah, he's um, a sweetheart. He was actually working a lot. Uh, and, and that's actually how I knew he was tied to professional wrestling is I could overhear the conversations, but yeah, that's my, my Billy Gunn because I should have known that was Billy Gunn next to me. And oh, he's, he's monstrous. He's like, you think he's big and then you see him in person. I don't even come up to his shoulder. You know, his, like, I look at, like, people's kneecaps, weirdest thing ever, probably because I have, like, real skinny ankles and knees for a guy, <laughs> and his kneecaps were, like, three times the size as mine. I'm like, God, it's a big dude. Yeah. And, and his son's wrestling, right? Yes, both. Both are, are what, the oldest one is, is, is trying to learn, and he was in California for a long time, but his youngest son, Austin Gunn, is a wrestler with AEW. Okay, so I totally cut you off, and I went down a rabbit hole of, oh, my, of my badass Billy Gunn, but you said your friend, Billy Gunn, yep. invited yep. you up to Jacksonville. Yeah. He's like, come on, just come over with me. It it was actually their first show was their first pay per view in Orlando or like the Orlando Central Florida area was in Daytona. It was called Fighter Fest. Okay. And he's like, just come with me, come hang out in the back, meet some people to see if it's even your scene kind of a thing. And I was back there and Cody was like, Hey, we need a timekeeper. He's like, You know how to ring a bell? <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure I do. Is it that hard? Uh, it's actually kind of difficult. Okay. Whenever I would host and announce for the live events for WWE Live, we would have the belt on the floor. So the fact that it was on a table was out of my scope of practice, you know? Oh, okay. Different, different, angle. Angle. different angle. It's a different angle. Yeah, it makes sense. And I was just like, sure, no problem. I am more than happy to ring the bells. Like you, when the ref says ring the bell, ding, ding, ding. When they say 
winner ring yeah. the bell ring ding 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 and and he's like sure cool and he's like well you did a great job because apparently at double or nothing which was their first big pay-per-view uh somebody messed up ringing the bell interesting yeah okay. yeah so that's why it was kind of a big deal and i was like oh my goodness and i was like shaking to do it and then they're like hey you want to come back to fighter fest which was the following month in jacksonville and i did a good job and i just kind of stayed at it at it at it like hey do you guys need anyone for interviewing hey you know do you need anything for pay-per-views just constantly letting them know by the way i'm bilingual can that help you one yeah. bit so it was Right before, they're like, oh, we're not looking for anyone right now, but when we go live on TNT in October, we are looking for somebody kind of full-time. And I just made sure, hey, haven't heard from you, just circling around, making sure, you know, being that annoying person, just like... Yeah, being being a boss lady, right? <laughs> Be, being someone who knows what they want, and they're going to go out and get it. Yeah, because in my mind, I didn't accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish in wrestling. And here was this great opportunity with individuals, some that I had worked with in the past, and just new people with fresh new ideas and, and experiences that I was wanting to learn and know more about and Cody was like hey do you speak Spanish I was like yes I was like I think my mom would be very disappointed <laughs> if I didn't and he's like well what do you think about doing Spanish commentary and I was like well I'm gonna be upfront and honest with you I have never even done English commentary in my life if you're willing to take a chance I'm gonna give you 110 percent he's like perfect that's all I wanted to hear and when you say commentary you're talking like like a play-by-play -play announcer yeah well I'm not the play-by-play -play, so okay. there's two different kinds there's play-by-play -play, which calls all the moves and spots that, that are yeah kind like, of going they on. call those people like color analysts I'm the color okay so you're the color I'm okay. helping with the story and stuff okay. like that yeah so I was like, no problem. I'll give it a, I'll give it a whirl. And then they're like, okay, well, can you run do this interview backstage? Sure, no problem. And when COVID happened and the main ring announcer Justin Roberts couldn't travel, they're like, hey, would you mind ring announcing? And I was like, sure, no problem. I've just always been one of those. Sure, no sure, problem. Yeah, I'm gonna sure. give it. I'm gonna give it 110%. Wear as many hats as possible because who knows. Maybe one day you need to do one thing. The next day they need somebody to cover doing this. And you're more valuable the more skills that you have and the more you can give yeah. to a company. Cross-train. Absolutely. You, you want to cross-train. Absolutely. We had a guest in here a couple months ago. Um, gentleman taught a term I'd never heard about. It's called intrapreneurship. Right? Hmm. You grew up wanting to be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? Yes. I grew up with that same entrepreneur uh, spirit. He said, no, entrepreneur. Don't mind working for a large national branded company but once you get in don't turn off your entrepreneur creativity but now because you're not the business owner you can't be entre but it's intra inside of someone else's company get in there and make yourself so darn valuable that they can't let you go that makes sense they, they may they may repurpose you right you may be repurposed as a heel in the ring or repurposed as a ring announcer, or you may be back to just ringing the bell, but nonetheless, you made yourself so valuable within your organization that they can't let you go. So you won't have to overcome yet again another obstacle. That is um, fantastic. I love that story. How about this? What was it like growing up? Ooh, it w I had all the love in the world. It was very difficult from very humble beginnings. I mean, my parents were together from 
11 years old. 11? Yeah, 11 years old, got married at 21. I thought you and I had that beat as we both married our <laughs> high school sweethearts. My mom married her high school sweetheart. High school, middle school. If they yeah, were like 11, yeah, your right. mom's like high school, now I'm going middle That's school like sweetheart. That's like elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's even younger. Yeah. Oh, that was in Puerto Rico. Different times. Okay, different times. <laughs> and... um. And my parents were married for, I believe, 18 years, and then they just things didn't work out. And my mom was left with three kids. She never graduated college, working three jobs. And that kind of instilled in me of like, okay, well, before you get married, just make sure you have your education because you need that paper to be able to have certain jobs. And Yeah, it's it a fantastic just, security instrument for all of us. Absolutely. Yep. But it was just extremely difficult for us. You know, we were on Florida Kids Care, and we were, we were on the system for a little bit, Till she could get on her feet. Yeah, and, and for out. for those that don't know, Florida Kids Care is the state of Florida's um, uh, way. Like of Medicare for kids. Yeah, yeah, much. it's yep, yep, it's providing health care to children. Yep, yep, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, but my mom always was one of those moms that always said, "It doesn't matter who you are, or how much money you make. Kindness is something that doesn't cost anything. So you will always be kind. If not, I'm gonna roast your buns. Yes, you know, <laughs> kind of that Spanish." That Puerto Rican mom, yeah. she, you know, even till this Don't day, cross her. You're still afraid oh, of her. I still am. You're like deadlifting 300 pounds and you're anything, and you're still afraid of your yeah, mom. Yeah. Before I post anything on the internet, I'm like, ooh, what would mom think of yeah. this? Because I know I'll be getting a phone call if it's inappropriate. Yeah. Which, by the way, what is your max deadlift? Ooh, ah, not very much. No? I'm not a huge deadlifter. Probably like 250. Nothing too eh, crazy. Just 250. It's still, it's not a lot. Listen, yeah. at Titan Games, there was this one lady, Naughty. Naughty was a beast. That woman deadlifted like 525 pounds. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So anyhow, again, so many rabbit holes. So many <laughs> rabbit holes. You get personalities like yours and mine together. Squirrel, and, shiny yeah, object. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> shiny object, shiny object. Yep. Um, no, so but growing up, you're sharing a story with me off camera, and I'm like, oh my God, let's save it. For the camera, because you're talking about how your your mom taught you kindness. Yes. But she also taught you a work ethic, whether she was verbalizing it or not. Um, you mentioned about five, ten minutes ago that you used scholarship money you earned doing pageants. Yes. Beauty pageants. Yes. To pay for your way through school. Did you grow up this princess, this no. beauty queen? Not at all. Okay. I was the biggest tomboy on the face of the planet. I still kind of am. I tell everyone I am a tomboy with girlish tendencies now. Okay. I like that. Because I can dress up, but if I'm not doing something important, you will not see an ounce of makeup on me. Literally, hair is going to be in a bun. I'm in workout clothes. They're matching. Yeah. And, and I'm pink. clean. They're pink and sparkly. N most definitely not. No. Neon okay. colors all the way. Okay. I'm not. My favorite color is green. Not a huge fan of the pink. The only reason I wear it is because it complements my skin complexion. Okay. But tomboy with girlish tendencies, and I. My mom was always wanting me to be a little bit more girly. My sister is the girly girl of the family. Like Older or younger sister? Older sister. Okay. 23 months older. So okay. almost two years. Yeah. And she's like little Miss Prissy. So everyone always expected her to do pageants. And I was like, Pat, wrench in the equation over here. I'm going to try this out. See if the girls really put itching powder in the dresses. See if they're really catty. Because all my friends growing up were all boys. I Even still to this day, most of my friends are guys. And you 
book, you grew up during a time of Miss Congeniality. Oh, right? she, that was one of my favorite movies. Yes. And Princess Diaries. I've never seen Princess of- Diaries, <gasps> but I am a Sandra Bullock fan. So admittedly, I've seen Miss Congeniality maybe 13 or 14 times. She's my spirit animal. Oh, okay. I kind of was Sandra Bullock of Pageantland. Yeah. I was all about <laughs> protecting everyone. Very kind of awkward. They had to teach you how to walk in heels. I actually learned on YouTube, online. Oh, wow. But the gymnast in me, I think, naturally had pretty good balance. Okay. So, I mean, that came pretty easy. But when it came to interviews, when it came to, like, learning how to do stuff, my sister, being the girly girl, did my makeup. And I would just research online. How do you – and somebody has made a video about it. That is fantastic. So what age were you when you started uh, with your pageants? At 19. Okay, so you legit hadn't done it because you watch these TV shows where they had these four-year-olds doing Tom pageants. And Tiaras yep, and stuff. not yeah. you at all. I was not a pageant baby growing up whatsoever. I was the one that was playing in the dirt and the mud at the racetrack with my dad, working on an engine, doing something outside, building, constructing, you name it. That was my jam. Uh, dirt tracks or Mopar? What what type of racing? Uh, drag. Drag racing. Drag racing. Mm-hmm. Were you going out to Biflo to do yeah. it? Okay. In the speed world, that was that was it. Yeah. Shout out to a good friend of mine, Doug Bronson. Doug is all about. In fact, his his email handle is like Mopar Doug, nice. um, but he is all about anything that's drag racing. And yeah. um, calling Doug out, he has yet to take me. <gasps> yeah. Come I on, Doug. On, I know. Come on, Doug. 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 Doug yes. Doug. Yeah. It's Bithlo. It's only like twenty minutes away from my house. <laughs> Yeah, well, my dad would build full chassis, 69 Carmen Gias and Volkswagen buggies, and he would just drive them at the track. And that was you. So you were hanging out with dad at the racetrack. I mean, you were a competitive gymnast. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. level 1,000? But I didn't start till I, I, I was nine years old. I started later in life. Gymnastics was a very expensive sport. But luckily, thankfully, I had, you know, these angels and Stephanie and Ellen. They were my gymnastics coaches that saw the potential. And Miss Stephanie was one of the people that was just like, she was the owner of the gym. And uh, she's just like, I see so much potential in you. And... I don't want that to go to waste. And I just remember her just telling my mom, okay, we'll just pay however much you can or however. Wow. How, you know, kindness. There's she, kindness oh right there. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, if it wasn't for her, and we're still close even till this day, like, I tell her all the time, like, you just having that ability to see potential and believe in me helped perpetuate this drive that I have of not perfection, but just accomplishing so much in life and wanting to be able to give back in life. Because that's something else my mom instilled in me. If you quote unquote make it in life, don't forget about all the people that helped you out. Nobody is self-made. Everybody had help along the way, whether it was your third grade teacher or, you know, a college professor, somebody that believed in you, nobody makes it in life by themselves. So that was my goal is be able to make it, you know, quote unquote, make it to be able to pay it forward and help somebody else in need. Um, No, that is, I mean, beyond the the, the most basic concepts for all of us to, to, to lead and live our life. So 19, you're in college, you're doing pageants for the money. Yep. For the money. Yep. Um, Sister's making dresses. Sis, yes, sister's making suits. She's Ma- making Ma- everything. M- mom's your hype man, right? Yep. Your mom is, is, is she like in the crowd cheering you on? Is oh, she- yeah. Oh, mom's 100,000% there. Mom and my aunt are probably like my two favorite people in the world because they, even for Titan Games, going 
fast forwarding, you know, mm -hmm. now, they hopped in a car and drove six and a half hours to go watch me compete in Atlanta because that's where Tying Games was filmed this season. And my family's just always like that no matter what it is when i won miss florida teen they all saved their pennies and i literally had like 50 people in california watching me compete at the national competition was miss florida teen your first pageant first pageant first ever. pageant how many uh women young women competed 146 146 you came out number one what was your talent Gymnastics. I was going to guess gymnastics, <laughs> but I was like, literally, Dasha, I'm waiting for you to like pull something out. Like, well, I'm also a world-renowned cellist. <laughs> I wish. No, I so you don't play the play. cello. I wish I could play a musical instrument. Whew, maybe that'll be the next thing I do if I find some free time. <laughs> but I remember asking the judges, like, why did you choose me? What, why did they? They said you were just different. You were a breath of fresh air. There, it wasn't the same rehearsed answer we've heard before. You were just different, and we saw something different in you. That, that That's a huge, very um, loud but soft statement, right? And the, the statement is you were you. Yep. You weren't trying to be anyone else. You were just trying to be real, authentic, um, let me ask you this. Did you uh, graduate UCF with a bunch of student loans? No, I did not. No, you did not. I did not. I had Blo Florida Bright Future Scholarship. Okay. Um, since I did Marine Corps ROTC in high school, I had a Marine Corps scholarship. I was a scholarship queen. I'm a left-hander, so I had a left-hander scholarship. And then competing in the Miss America organization, because it's a nonprofit organization, I paid for school. I was Miss UCF in 2009 and that was the coolest one because I got to represent my university and I got my books paid for for an entire year. I got to be in parades on campus. It was so cool. So I hear this, I'm like, wow, yeah, badass, badass, badass. But here's what I'm really hearing. Yeah, if there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. If there's a will, because you grew up um, uh, in a household where your parents divorced, your mom worked three jobs, mm -hmm. um, money was so scarce that you relied on the kindness of two gym owners who saw something in you to uh, work with your mom in terms of paying your gym membership. Yep. Um, and you still went to college, graduated college with zero debt because you found a way. Yep. Like, what an awesome story. Like, what an awesome, like, what an inspiration you are to really anyone listening, but those 12-year-old girls right now those 15-year-old girls right now, those 21-year-old girls that are that are maybe in their junior year of college and can look up to Dasha and be like, I can do this too. Um, you mentioned winning Miss UCF. What was your talent? I know this answer, but the audience doesn't. <laughs> um, so you used gymnastics, which was your bread and butter from age nine all the way through age 18 when you quit competing? 16. 16. Yep, until 16. Um, that was your go-to. That was your bread and butter. And, but... 19, you used it to win Miss Teen Florida? Miss Teen America? Miss Florida Teen. Miss Florida Teen. Yep. But for Miss UCF, what was your talent? Well, I had just had shoulder surgery. Oh, no. Uh, another another injury. Before. Another injury <laughs> sidelines Dasha, but she doesn't let it totally sideline yeah, her. My, okay. my doctor, amazing human being, uh, he wouldn't clear me. He loves you in your money. He, yeah. <laughs> or well, your insurance company's money. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we still kind of talk. You okay. know, they, they still make sure that I'm doing okay. Um, but he's got student loans he's has to pay for too. You know, I don't blame him. Uh, he, I don't blame him. Uh, he should have done a couple pageants. <laughs> there are man pageants, but going back okay. to going back to it, um, I had surgery. He wouldn't clear me, so I 
competed with a monologue. And it, my favorite part of, about it was uh, Erica Dunlap, who was a former Miss America and former UCF alum. She actually was one of my judges as well, too. So I was like, oh, a former Miss yeah. America chose me. So that was really cool. That's fantastic. That is, um, I mean, such a huge inspiration. Okay, I have two main topics that I want to make sure we get in before our time uh, comes to an end. One would be, because of one of the themes of the show is everything you should have learned in high school but didn't, what are some things growing up that you wish you were taught, right? Because you, you are an aunt, mm-hmm. right? You, you at one point in your life may choose to become a mom. What are some things that the, the younger people that you had the ability to, to instill your knowledge on, what are some things that you're going to teach them primarily because it wasn't taught to you early on and you wish you it was, but also if you have uh, an item or two, what are some things that were taught to you that you want to make sure get passed on to your nephew or your future children? I would say finances and kind of creating a budget would be one of the main things that I wish I would have learned a little bit more, uh, just because I feel like when you're little, you're like, oh, I have all this money. And you never think, I'm going to save some. I'm going to put it away. Um, but at the same time, even though we didn't have a lot of money growing up, my mom did did always tell us you have to give back. So it didn't matter how much money we had, like in our bank, we always had to like tie to church or give money to somebody that was less fortunate. So that would be something that I would want to instill in my future kids. Like even till this day, my mom keeps this little coin purse and um, she gives whatever money she's collected in that coin purse to people in need. Um, so that's pretty cool because she's she's struggling financially too, as, yeah. as many people in America are, but she still always finds time, whether it's devoting her personal time to volunteer or financially, whatever she can come up with, she'll donate. I'm like, woman, you're giving away this money you don't even have. She's like, well, they're less but fortunate. The, they need help. Yeah. Well, what that's um, what a huge heart. Thinking of uh, still childhood growing up, um, I'm sure there's some things that you experienced that drives you. Or let me just ask you, what drives you? Like what, I mean, all this overcoming adversity and all the success that you have achieved, you want something, you go get it. You want something else, you go get that too, all in a fairly early stage in life still. What drives you? I'm very financially driven. Okay. Just because, you know, as as horrible as it sounds, money is what makes the world go round. And if I want to be able to give back, I'd like to give back financially. I'd like to give back with my time as well. But you have to get money to to be able to have things, to have a car, to have a house, to have food, to have an education. So I'm very financially driven. I'm a very numbers driven kind of person. And whenever I'm going to buy something, I'm like, okay, this comes back from my childhood. It's like, how much do I have to work to be able to pay this? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Were those lessons taught to you verbally or did you learn them by the environment that you were raised in? Meaning like so many things that drive me they weren't, they weren't necessarily because someone told me. Mm-hmm. It was more I was envious I didn't have it. Agreed. Kind of for me, I would watch um, all these kids have all this stuff. But at the same time, my mom would remind us that, like, she worked at a very, like, once she got on, one of her jobs was working as a teacher's aide. Okay. And the school that she worked at was an A school where kids – 
we're mid to high income kind of a thing. And she and she always just taught us just because it may be gently used or something like that doesn't lessen the value of it. And you'd see these kids that would just drag their sweatshirts on the floor and then they'd be like, my mom would be like, oh, sweetie, pick up your sweatshirt. And they're like, oh, my mom will buy me another one if it gets a hole in it. So my mom always taught us like, you use things till they no longer can be used. You have to take care of everything mm -hmm. that you have and save the extra for a rainy day or something like that. So I would just, I remember these kids and they would just like have the new Game Boys or have this new bike or have this new thing. And we would we were never allowed to like make a Christmas list because my mom grew up with five brothers and sisters. And whenever she would write a Christmas list, she would never get anything on her list. So her fear was not Aww. being able to get us something on the list. So we never were able to write one. Um, but she always instilled that you have to work hard for everything that you want in life. So I always knew I'm gonna have to work hard to get an education. I'm gonna have to work hard to find the job that I want. I'm going to have to work hard for everything that I have in life. You mentioned, you mentioned the word budgeting. So it's one of my favorite topics. How old were you when you figured out to budget or how to budget or that it was needed? When I got my first job. Okay. Because I knew that I wanted to have, you know, a car. It wasn't going to be a brand new car, but if my mom was able, I lucked out because since my birthday was in April, that was during tax return season. Oh. So out of all three of us, <laughs> I was the one that always got the nicest gift. My brother's birthday is in January, so that was right after Christmas. Oh, he got And screwed. my sister was in May, that was after my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and I was always the kid that lucked out. But um, I always knew, okay, man, if I'm going to have a car, hopefully one day, I'm probably going to share it with my sister, but we're going to have to pay for gas because we can't have mom, like mom or dad, you know, help pitch in. Cause my dad wasn't completely absent, but you know, he, he wasn't living in the household with you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, so I just remember, okay, well, there's this other thing called insurance that I got to get a car because mom's not going to be able to afford insurance. And insurance when and you're a teenager is, is freaking expensive. Yes. And so we're like, okay, well, we have to be able to fund our, our, our lives, I guess you could say, and save our pennies. And so I just learned, okay, and then if I'm going to go to college and then if I'm working and I need to get a snack when I'm on the road and gas and all these different things. And then when I, I was like, oh wait, and then there's this thing called a cell phone that came out when I was in <laughs> high school. And I was like, well, I got to start figuring out how I'm going to pay for all these things. So, so you were young. Yeah. You were young. Probably 17, 16, 17 years old. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, we've had many guests that have come on and, and they've achieved a lot of them a very high level of financial success through their careers, but they tell these stories about, oh yeah, I graduated college with $40,000 in debt, just credit cards. Yeah. Not take, you know, take out the student loans. We had credit cards or I've told stories, personal stories where, you know, I didn't figure out budgeting until I was probably 26 or 27, which meant I went 18, I went eight, almost 10 solid years you know, not being responsible with my money. And you're sitting here right now, never. Well, I'm willing to say the, for me, the, the moment in my life where I realized like I'm in charge of my own finances was I was probably 12 years old and I saw how much my mom was struggling from the divorce. Okay. And I was, she was a stay at home mom at the time. And my dad 
was the breadwinner and just seeing her kind of being left there essentially trying to figure out how am I going to start making money when I haven't had a job um because I was raising my children which is a job in itself but it doesn't monetarily pay um I always say it's a job that pays on hugs and kisses pretty much yeah yeah. I mean we gave her a lot of those (laughs) but the hugs and kisses don't Don't pay pay the the bills nope (laughs) and I just saw how much she was struggling I was like I never want to be dependent on somebody. And I'm willing to say it was from 12 that I was like, I got to make my own money. I got to be able to provide for myself. And even my husband, we've been together since we're 16. I literally looked him in the face and I was like, don't ever ask me to marry you unless I have a bachelor's degree, a career. And I had certain like protocol of things. Like money in the bank. Yeah. I need to have no consumer debt. I need to have. Wow. And And I told him and it was like a decision that we made because I was like, God forbid not saying we're going to get divorced. I'm like, but what if one of us passes? Mm -hmm. What if we have children? We have to be able to provide for our children. We have to be able to be on our own financially. And he's like, well, that's a really good idea because he comes from a divorced family too. And his mom is extremely driven. And so like he's seen like a successful woman and being able to, and he's like, I respect that. And I'm 100% okay with you doing that. No, that is fantastic. So last question, Dasha 2.0. So, I mean, at this point in your career, you you have, what, five, ten years before at some point the bumps and bruises and torn knees and Achilles and shoulders, and I think you probably even sprained your left earlobe one time. (laughs) Um, That'll catch up to you. Have you given much thought to where you see yourself, I think, I'm pretty sure you have like a thousand ideas, but <laughs> I'm just curious, where do you see yourself eight, 10 years down the road? Is it still in sports entertainment or is there a way to parlay that to something different? I mean, I, somebody I look for in inspiration because wrestling's not forever. You're not going to be able to do it when you're in your forties or your fifties. I mean, you Rick could. Fla- Rick Flair has done a good I job mean, of DD, that. DDP yeah. didn't start yes. his career until he was 35, but yeah. for, for a female, that's it's a, a bit diamond different. Dallas page, page yes. for anyone who's tuning in at home that isn't up to the uh, to the certain astute that we are with our wrestling lingo. Um, I obviously would like to be a mother one day, whether it's adopting a child or having my own. And my dream ever since I was little was to be a game show host or a daytime. game show like Double Dare or oh, like Family Feud. Either one. Either one. Okay. Either one. I want to give people money, ask random questions. I'm like the person that knows the most random information. I don't know if Jeopardy is kind of my style. It's a little too stoic. Um, But like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Or be uh, like Laura from Flea Market Flip and be like a host for like – uh, not a home reno show, yeah, but, but, like but, a, but like, like a, a crafting, yeah. something crafting Yeah, inspired. like a TLC. Yeah. What, what if you took, because you told me off camera, like you're into crafting. Oh, love it. My daughter would love you. Uh, <laughs> that is her jam. Um, she's not too much into sweating, so she probably wouldn't be into anything, uh, the athletic aspect, although okay. she's a dancer. She loves to dance. Okay. But, um, so maybe some of your salsa moves. Perfect. Um, but no, crafting. Maybe you could take Titan games, and then you could like cross- pollinate them with crafting oh yeah can you imagine like if you had a ghost station station where you had to like do some kind of a weave right or make some kind of a craft make your uniform to compete and it better not fall apart oh make that part of the competition or whoever has like the shiniest costume or something i don't know 
You not only do you get scored on your athleticism, but you also get, <laughs> you also how you look at the end of it. I don't know. So, but you you see yourself in five, ten years being a mom. Absolutely. Being a game show host. Oh yeah. Wrestling if your body still allows it. Because oh, yeah. why not do it all? Yeah. Why not do it all? The world is your oyster. That's fantastic, Dasha. I am so appreciative of you taking the time to come be on the Loan Officer podcast. It means the world to me. So thank you very much. If people want to find you, I found you pretty easily on Google. <laughs> um, you do have a couple different last names. You I have do. your married last name. You had your fake last name from WWE. Yeah. You have your your maiden name, which is your name that you use yes. with AEW, yes. right? which is Gonzalez. Yes. But how would someone find you? What are your handles? What are your tags? Ah, you could find me at Dasha Caret on Instagram and Twitter. And that's K-U-R-E-T. Yes, sir. Okay. And on YouTube at Masadasha. That's my YouTube page. Mas. Mas. Yep. Dasha. Ma oh, more, 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 more Dasha. More Dasha. Yeah. On YouTube. Yep. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm Dustin Owen. She's Dasha Gonzalez. And we're out.